Hey y'all, welcome to this episode of Unfit to Print. I'm your host, Amber Athey. I'm the Washington editor for The Spectator and a senior Blankley fellow with the Steamboat Institute. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe to the Daily Caller's YouTube channel, hit that notification bell, and also search for the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes. So originally this episode was going to be about impeachment. However, at this point, I think that this whole charade has just been litigated and relitigated so many times. I know that I'm tired of talking about it. I'm sure you guys are tired of hearing about it. Former President Donald Trump was acquitted on Saturday, and that should be all that there is to it. So instead of doing that, I'm going to use this episode to talk about the biggest stories of the week, like I normally would do. So let's go ahead and start with uh, President Joe Biden making his first major media appearance as president. And let's just say that it did not go super well. Joe Biden appeared on a CNN town hall on Tuesday night with Anderson Cooper and made several incredibly major gaffes, the first of which claiming that there was not a vaccine when he took office. Watch. And uh, the biggest thing, though, is you remember when you and I, I shouldn't say it that way, as you remember, but when you and I talked last, we talked about it's one thing to have the vaccine, which we didn't have when we came into office, but a vaccinator. How do you get the vaccine into someone's arm? This is obviously a false statement. The first vaccine was administered on December 14th, 2020, well before the end of the year and over two months before Joe Biden took office. President Trump was still in office when that first vaccine was given. And he was in office, of course, when the first vaccines were approved by the FDA. Biden also claims that there was no plan for vaccine distribution. And this has been a lie that has been repeated throughout the Biden administration. Vice President Kamala Harris has said this. Members of the cabinet have said this. And it is just flat out untrue. The media has unscrupulously repeated it, but that doesn't make it any more accurate. As we know, President Trump oversaw the Operation Warp Speed program, which provided uh, a guideline for vaccine distribution, and the Trump administration had managed to get up to 1 million doses of the vaccine being being distributed each day. When Joe Biden took office, he said that his goal was going to be distributing about 10 million, or excuse me, 100 million vaccines in the first three months in office. This was hardly over the current uh, distribution rate of 1 million vaccines per day, and yet was somehow treated as this lofty goal that would be very difficult for the Biden administration to reach. So Biden has two whoppers in this uh, segment of the town hall, and yet where were the mainstream media fact checkers when Biden made this statement? Well, they were, of course, running cover for him. The Washington Post's Glenn Kessler who was the fact checker who ran the big database of Trump lies when he was in office, called Biden saying that there was no vaccine before he took office a, quote, verbal stumble. He tweeted, quote, it was a verbal stumble, a typical Biden gaffe, as he had already mentioned 50 million doses being available when he took office. Now, when Trump used hyperbolic statements or talked in his normal Trumpy way, We were never told by the Washington Post or Glenn Kessler that this was a typical Trumpy gaffe. We were always told that the president was lying. And Glenn Kessler went on to say, quote, people screw up on live television. Biden with his stutter especially does so. Well, first of all, I thought that Biden overcame his stutter, 
But again, former President Donald Trump would have never received this level of charity from any fact checker in the mainstream media. If he had misspoken like this, then he would have been called a liar and this would have been plastered all over PolitiFact and FactCheck.org and all of these other so-called fact-checking websites. In fact, people were constantly fact-checking President Trump on hyperbolic statements or other claims that were obviously not intended to be actual statistical statements of fact. For example, the Washington Post fact-checked former President Trump when he claimed that the hamburgers from fast food joints that he got for college athletes visiting the White House were stacked a mile high. The Washington Post has also confirmed that they're not going to continue doing a fact-checking database for President Joe Biden because, according to them, he just doesn't lie as much as President Trump. Well, I've done investigations into the Washington Post fact-check database, and I can tell you that they massively inflated false claims from Trump. For example, the Washington Post fact-checking database run by Glenn Kessler claimed that every time the president said we're building the wall or some iteration thereof, he was lying. Even though there are now 500 miles of completed border wall on the southern border, most of which is replacing inadequate vehicle barriers, Glenn Kessler claimed that it was a lie when the president said that he was building the wall. Other alleged lies from President Trump, according to Washington Post, the fact that the Mueller investigation was a witch hunt, that Obamacare was a disaster, and that the Russian collusion narrative was a hoax. And every single time the president made one of those statements, that was marked as an additional lie. There were allegedly over 30,000 lies from President Trump told while he was in office. If you tally up all of the lies from just those few statements I mentioned, you're already in the thousands of thousands. So imagine how many more of these so-called lies you could debunk if you went through every single one. And President Trump never got the benefit of Glenn Kessler saying, oh, well, it's hard to speak on live TV, or, you know, that childhood stutter coming back, or... This is just a typical Joe Biden or Donald Trump gaffe. Trump would never get that generosity from the Washington Post. This was not the only typical Joe Biden gaffe that he made during this CNN town hall. He also suggested that minorities don't know how to use the internet. Watch. The portion is a lot of people don't know how to register. Not everybody in the community, in the Hispanic and the African-American community, particularly in uh, uh, rural areas that are distant and or inner city districts know how to use, know how to get online to determine how to get in line for that COVID vaccination at the, at the Walgreens or at, at, at the particular store. The leftist media will refuse to cover this comment just like they will Biden's other racist remarks, but he has a history of these types of racially insensitive comments. Let me read you guys a few examples. If you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. In reference to Obama, he said, you got the first mainstream African-American who is articulate and bright and clean and a nice looking guy. He also claimed that the African-American community uh, is not an incredibly diverse community with incredibly diverse attitudes about different things like the Latino community. And he also made comments about Indian people running 7-Elevens and Dunkin' Donuts 
And he also claimed that poor kids are just as smart as white kids, of course, implying that all poor kids are minorities. So this is not the first time. It certainly won't be the last time. But people will tell you repeatedly that of course, former President Trump is a racist. And there was one more major whopper from Joe Biden during the CNN town hall, where he suggested that China's oppression of Hong Kong citizens, as well as its internment of Uyghur Muslims in concentration camps, is due to a difference in, quote, cultural norms. Watch. You know, Chinese leaders, if you know anything about Chinese history, it has always been the time when China has been victimized by the outer world is when they haven't been unified at home. So the central, oh, to vastly overstated, the central principle of Xi Jinping is that there must be a united, tightly controlled China. And he uses his rationale for the things he does based on that. I point out to him, no American president can be sustained as a president if he doesn't reflect the values of the United States. And so the idea, I'm not going to speak out against what he's doing in Hong Kong, what he's doing with the Uyghurs in western mountains of, of uh, China and Taiwan trying to end the one China policy by making it forceful. I, I said, and by the way, he said he, he gets it. Culturally, there are different norms at each country and they, their leaders are expected to follow. To tell you guys the truth, I don't even know what Joe Biden was trying to say in that sentence because it is so unintelligible. But if we take the leftist media's way of looking at statements from Republicans, which is by being the least charitable as possible, it certainly sounds like Joe Biden was saying that Chinese President Xi Jinping recognizes that there are different cultural norms between the U.S. and China, which may excuse China's oppression of its own people. I hope that that's not what Joe Biden actually meant, because if so, that is evil. The idea that we can accept or not speak out against concentration camps, genocide, oppression, rape, and all of the other horrible things that China is doing to its own people because they have different uh, cultural mores than us is absolutely despicable. Joe Biden was a disaster during this town hall, and I don't blame his team for constantly calling press lids at 12 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon because this guy should not be anywhere in front of a camera. You thought he was bad on the campaign trail, it's only going to get worse as he goes deeper into his presidency. President Biden's chief of staff, Ron Klain, tweeted on Thursday morning, schools closed under President Trump and they will reopen under President Biden. This is a bizarre tweet for several reasons. First of all, he is implying that it's a negative thing that Trump closed schools at the beginning of the pandemic. I would love to know if President Joe Biden would go on record as saying that he would have kept schools open the entire time. That seems highly implausible considering schools are still closed and Biden has been in office for over a month now. However, no one seems to even know what the Biden administration's plan or timeline is for getting kids back into school. In fact, they keep waffling so much that it's kind of impossible to keep up with their sudden new developments on what their goal is to get kids back in school. For example, before Biden took office, we were told that he would have most schools open in the first 100 days. Then, when he took office, that goal was seemingly stealthily changed to K-8 through schools being open in the first 100 days. 
According to Biden, opening high schools would be a more complicated and difficult challenge as opposed to getting K-8 schools open. In early February, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said that they would count schools as, quote, open if they had in-classroom instruction just one day a week. That is not my definition of a school being open. President Biden later claimed in his CNN town hall with Anderson Cooper that that was a, quote, miscommunication. Watch. Vaccinating teachers. We should move them up in the hierarchy as well. Well, let me ask you, you... um. Your administration had set a goal to open the majority of schools in your first 100 days. You're now saying that means those schools may only be open for at least one day a week. No, that's not true. That's what was reported. Uh That's not true. It was a mistake in the communication. But what I'm talking about is I said opening the majority of schools in K through eighth grade because they're the easiest to open the most needed to be open in terms of the impact on children and families having to stay home. So when do you think that would be K through eight, at I least think we'll five be, days a week? I possible. think we'll be close to that at the end of the first hundred days. We'd have a significant percentage of them being able to be opened. It seems like after pushback, the Biden administration got its cards in order and decided that the goal should be to have schools be open if they have in-person instruction five days a week. On February 3rd, The CDC claimed that teachers did not need to be vaccinated in order to return to school safely. CDC Director Rochelle Walensky said, quote, I want to be clear that there is increasing data to suggest that schools can safely reopen and that safe reopening does not suggest that teachers need to be vaccinated in order to reopen safely. Vaccination of teachers is not a prerequisite of safe reopening of schools. Now, the media made a bunch of noise about the fact that former President Trump would sometimes contradict his CDC director, as well as NIH specialist Anthony Fauci when he disagreed with their uh, policy recommendations in regards to the pandemic. However, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki did this with no problem and no pushback from the media at all. She said she saw Walensky's comment about safe reopening, but added that the CDC, quote, has not released their official guidance yet. Then, several weeks later, on February 17th, Saki admitted that having all teachers vaccinated was not a requirement for safely reopening schools. However, that same morning, Vice President Kamala Harris was on the Today Show and repeatedly dodged when asked if teachers could return safely without getting a vaccine. Watch. You know, the Mm -hmm. CDC has said it is not a prerequisite for teachers to be vaccinated for them to go back to school. But many teachers are wary of going back to school. And we've had some cities have to sue the teachers union or sue their own school districts to try to get these schools to reopen. Can you reassure teachers who are listening right now that it is safe for them to go back to school, even if they are not vaccinated, if these public health measures like distancing and masks are being implemented? So first of all, let me just say this, and the president has said it, and we're all really clear. Teachers should be a priority. Teachers should be a priority. Look, let me just tell you something. I love teachers. My first grade teacher, Mrs. Frances Wilson, attended my law school graduation. (laughs) Teachers are critical to our children's development. They should be able to teach in a safe place and expand the minds and and the opportunities of our children. So teachers should be a priority along with other frontline workers, and we're going to make them a priority. I believe that up to 22 states, I believe, have prioritized teachers in terms of vaccination. But if they're not vaccinated, is it safe for them? 
Well, I think that we have to decide if we can put in place safe measures. This is why, and it's so important, we pass the American Rescue Plan. The American Rescue Plan, which the President and I have proposed, is a plan that is about getting our schools back open. Simone Sanders, the spokeswoman for Kamala Harris, repeated the same tired talking point in an appearance with CNN's New Day. Watch. It's, it's not a trick question, and I feel like you guys have treated it like a trick question. I think people oh. just want to know what the White House position is on whether or not teachers have to be vaccinated for kids to return safely to school. The CDC director, Rochelle Walensky, says the science is that teachers don't necessarily have to be vaccinated for kids to return. And I think people want to know what the White House position is on that. The White House position is that uh, and the president and vice president believe that teachers should be prioritized for receiving the vaccination along with other frontline workers. And in at least 22 states in the District of Columbia, that's exactly what's happening. Prioritize is one thing, and I think there's wide agreement they should be prioritized. And why not? Is it necessary, though? That's the question. It really is a yes, no question. Well, John, I think the real question, frankly, if I can be frank here, is what you're getting to is, is it safe for kids to go back to school? You might be tempted to think that this is all unintentional and that the Biden administration is just doing a poor job of communicating or maybe their signals are getting crossed internally. But I would posit that all of this is actually quite intentional and that they are being unclear about their plans for reopening schools for a very specific reason. And that reason is that they don't want to upset the teachers unions that are huge Democratic donors. The teachers unions have repeatedly moved the goalposts every time an administration or a politician meets their criteria for reopening schools. Their latest move is to say that teachers cannot go back to school until they have all been vaccinated, even though, again, the CDC has said repeatedly that schools can reopen safely without every single teacher being vaccinated. But the Biden administration will not take a clear stance on this issue, and that's why you have Vice President Kamala Harris going around saying that teachers should be prioritized for vaccines, because if they were to take this clear stance, they would, one, be in opposition to the teachers' unions, and two, of course, encourage them to move the goalposts yet again to a new goal. The Biden administration does not want to lose the support of the teachers' unions, again, because they are major Democratic donors, so they will continue to waffle on this issue so that they don't have to actually reopen schools without teachers' unions' approval. Of course, what all of this means in the real world is that while the Biden administration is courting the Democratic donating teachers' unions, your kids are suffering. They are having mental health crises. They are missing prime years of so socialization that are necessary for their development and they are falling way behind on their education. Parents are having to give up working hours and struggle to take care of their kids and make sure that they're getting their proper schooling when they also might be looking for work or trying to work from home. It's an incredibly difficult situation with so many consequences for families. And it's really sad to see that the Biden administration is more interested in putting donor dollars above taking care of America's children and families. CNN has released a statement indicating that Chris Cuomo, a host of one of its primetime programs, will no longer be allowed to interview his brother, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. This statement is very conveniently timed because, of course, at the beginning of the pandemic and throughout the summer, Andrew Cuomo appeared on Chris Cuomo's show multiple times. However, now that the leftist media has caught on to the Cuomo nursing home scandal, 
CNN is now trying to get away from the fact that it was complicit in the cover-up. Assemblyman Ron Kim of New York says that Andrew Cuomo allegedly threatened him to keep quiet about a phone call during which Melissa DeRosa, a Cuomo aide, admitted that they had covered up nursing home deaths in order to avoid a federal investigation or political blowback. Watch what Assemblyman Kim had to say about his phone call with Andrew Cuomo. I think what's happening here is when we get closer to the truth behind the growing nursing home scandal in New York, Governor Cuomo tries to implicate you in the cover-up or threatens your livelihood if you don't lie for him. And that's what happened to me in the last one week. I was one of six lawmakers in that private meeting for two hours with Secretary DeRosa when she accidentally told us the truth, that there was a cover-up and fear that the information would be weaponized against Governor Cuomo. That moment, I had to tell the truth and I had to let the public know what happened. And Governor Cuomo called me the the next day at 8 p.m. while I was about to bathe my kids. I was with my wife and for 10 minutes... Uh, he berated me. Uh, he yelled at me. Uh, he told me that, you know, my career will be over. He's been biting his tongue for months against me. And I had tonight, not tomorrow, tonight to issue a new statement, essentially asking me to lie um, and asking me like I, I just I heard and I saw a crime the other day. He's asking me that I did not see that crime. New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio said that he believes Assemblyman Ron Kim saying that it sounds like something Governor Cuomo would do. And in case you guys missed the details of the nursing home scandal, the New York government and the coronavirus task force were allegedly undercounting nursing home deaths by saying that individuals who contracted COVID-19 in a nursing home but later died in a hospital did not constitute a nursing home death. And at the same time, Andrew Cuomo was, of course, ordering nursing homes to take back in residents who had contracted COVID-19, thus ensuring that they spread it to the rest of the home among the vulnerable elderly population. All of this was reported on months ago by conservative media, but was relatively ignored until the last month or so when the leftist media started picking up on this major scandal. Of course, back when conservative media was scrutinizing Andrew Cuomo's handling of the pandemic, outlets like CNN were celebrating him and talking about him as if he were the perfect personification of a caring politician. In multiple segments on CNN, Chris Cuomo and Andrew Cuomo laughed and joked about their relationship with their mother and each other. And in one segment, Chris Cuomo held up a giant cotton swab as a way of messing around with his brother. Go ahead and watch. So that in scale, this was the actual swab that was being used to fit up that double barrel shotgun that you have mounted on the front of your pretty face. <laughs> See, I said I was going to be nice and sweet. I just want a yes, no. And was, I was it trying. this? I was trying. Or was it this? Very hard. Of course, while the brothers Cuomo were yucking it up on cable television, thousands of elderly people were dying in nursing homes thanks to Governor Cuomo's overseeing of the pandemic. CNN released a statement indicating that Chris would no longer be allowed to interview Andrew and claiming that the interviews they had already done with him were a, quote, human interest story. Here's the statement. The early months of the pandemic crisis were an extraordinary time. We felt that Chris speaking with his brother about the challenges of what millions of Americans were struggling with was of significant human interest. 
As a result, we made an exception to a rule that we have had in place since 2013, which prevents Chris from interviewing and covering his brother. And that rule remains in place today. CNN has covered the news surrounding Governor Cuomo extensively. There is really no excuse for the glowing coverage they gave him because if CNN was scrutinizing him properly at the beginning of the pandemic, like all of the conservative and independent media outlets and reporters were doing, then they would have known just how inappropriate it was to put this man on television, or at least put him on television without holding him accountable for his behavior. And maybe then Governor Cuomo wouldn't have thought it was appropriate to write a book about his wonderful handling of the pandemic or start selling COVID-19 maps insisting that New York had defeated the virus. The real human interest story here is how Governor Cuomo's horrible policymaking led to the deaths of thousands of elderly residents of New York. The human interest story is not about Chris Cuomo and Andrew Cuomo joking with each other about who mother loves more. CNN ought to be ashamed of itself. Finally, to end the podcast on a bit of a lighter note, take a look at what White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki had to say when asked by a viewer how the Biden administration was helping small businesses. Watch. President Biden doing for my small business? First and foremost, he nominated a woman to lead the Small Business Administration who formerly worked there. That's right, y'all. Don't worry about the government imposing absurd restrictions on your business and shutting you down and making sure that you can't feed your family because the Biden administration has appointed a woman. Everyone knows that identity politics solves everything. That's it for this episode of Unfit to Print. Thank you guys for watching. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Daily Caller's YouTube channel, hit that notification bell, and also search for the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes. And thanks again for watching. We will see you next week.